Hey, this is Jacob Burgai, lead pastor at Field Church, and I'm so glad you're joining us today to hear this message. You know, I'm reminded that the Word of God says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And I just believe that as you hear God's Word, that your faith is going to grow in every area of your life. Thank you for joining us, and for more information about Field Church, check us out, thefuelchurch.com. Have a great day. Today I want to move forward. Uh, you can catch up on all the messages, by the way, on the podcast. You can grab those, listen to them as much as you want But if you, if you weren't here. But today I want to move forward with a message entitled, It's a Choice. Someone say, It's a Choice. One more time. It's a Choice. Have you ever watched this reality show called The Biggest Loser? Anybody ever seen that where somebody is physically uh, out of shape, they've let themselves go, and they get to this point in their life where they realize they got to make some changes when it comes to their health? You ever seen that show? It's a reality show that's been out for a while, and the, the individual realizes that the choices that they've made up till now haven't been good choices, and they get put into this system Uh, where this uh, drill sergeant trainer kind of shocks the system. (laughs) And it's it's crazy to watch it because um, you you see these individuals going through this process. And usually at first it's a process of denial. And the trainer is pushing and saying, you know, the reason you're this way is is because of your food habits and because of the the places you go and the people you hang with. And uh, they, they really begin to break them down on the choices that they make. And it's not just choices on what they eat, but where they go and what environments they put themselves in. It's all a choice. Someone say it's a choice. And it's the same regarding our money. When it comes to our money, we all make choices, don't we? We all make choices. So I ask the question, what kind of choices have you made with your money up to this point? And where have those choices led you so far? Today, I want to talk about the biggest choice we make if we're going to change our financial picture. We've been looking at those four pictures, the beach picture. It's beautiful. We're debt-free. It's awesome. It's amazing. We can do whatever we want with our money. We're at that place. Then we see the average porch picture, and it's, it's average. We're not where we used to be, but we're not where we want to be. Then we see the dark cloud picture, and things aren't good, and we've made some wrong decisions. And then the worst of the worst is the tornado or the hurricane has destroyed everything. Our money is a mess. So if we're going to change our financial picture, right, because we've seen that God wants us to change it, amen, can we agree with that? God wants us to change it. If we're going to change it, then we have to make the biggest choice of all today, and that's the choice of trusting God with our money. I figured there were only two amens. I think I heard a third. I think I heard an oh me. I think I heard a, I should have stayed in bed. <laughs> trusting God, making the choice of trusting God. Why? Here's the thing. We've we distinguished that God wants us blessed. Can we agree with that? God wants us blessed. He wants us blessed spiritually. He wants us blessed financially. He wants us blessed relationally, emotionally, physically. He wants us blessed. So many of us think just being blessed is finances. No, no, no. Some people got all the money in the world, but they ain't got no peace. Billionaires blowing their brains out, ending their life. All the money in the world. They could do anything. They got jets, private jets, houses all over the world, but they ain't got no peace. 
You can't put a price on peace. God in his word wants us blessed, spirit, soul, and body. We are triune, and God wants us blessed in all those areas. But the first step in being blessed is the right choices that we're, that we're all faced with. All these promises in God's word, all these promises are attached with a word called obedience. Obedience. He, he, he's got tons of promises, hundreds and thousands of them throughout scripture. And we see this common theme that obedience is attached to a blessing or a miracle, right? All throughout the Old and the New Testament, God would say, I'm going to do the supernatural in your life, but I need you to take some natural steps, right, for this promise to come to pass, for this miracle to come to pass. Just a few of them. Naaman had leprosy in the Old Testament. He was told by God to go dip seven times in the Jordan River. That doesn't make sense. I got leprosy. I'm sick. But God says, do something in the natural. When he dipped seven times, his leprosy was cured. He had to be obedient. There was a widow in the Bible and her husband had died and left her with a lot of debt. And the, and the Bible says that the prophet Elisha said, hey, go and borrow some vessels. Go and borrow some vessels. What's this have to do with my debt? I don't understand this. Just be obedient to it. Go borrow vessels. And the Bible says as she borrowed vessels, the little oil she had was multiplied because she took a step of obedience. She made a choice to be Obedient. Noah, Noah, Noah. God, Noah said, I want to save my family. God said, I need you to do something in the natural. Noah, if you want to save your family, build an ark. Build an ark. There's always a step of obedience. Jesus in the New Testament told the disciples as he's preaching, and it was dinner time, and there was 20,000 people there, and the disciples like, hey, Jesus, we need to release the people so they can go get Chick-fil-A for dinner. And Jesus said, No. What do we have amongst us? Well, we got a little boy with a Lunchable. Come on now, Caprice and a little Oreo pack. Come on now. That's all we got. He said, take the natural that you do have. Take it and begin to pass it out to the 12 disciples. And then after you have the 12 baskets for the 12 disciples, disciples, then you begin to pass the food out to the people. But Take the lunchable first. Do something in the natural. Be obedient first and watch the miracle take place. And we know that 20,000 were fed. Jesus told Peter to step out of the boat first. First. Peter, you do something in the natural. First step out and then I'll give you the power to walk on water. There was a lame man sitting by the pool of Bethesda, the Bible says, for 38 years. 38 years. No miracle. 38 years. Can't walk. Jesus comes by and tells the man after he tells Jesus, I've been laying here for 38 years. Jesus said, oh, just pick up your mat. Just just pick it up and begin to walk. He had to do something. He had to take a step of obedience in the natural. He had to make a choice. And when he made that choice, the miracle happened. And I could go on and on and on and on and on, story after story after story in the Old and the New Testament. In the life of Jesus where he said, do this and this will happen. As you go forth, as you go, you will be healed. He said that many times in the Bible. As you walk forward, you will be healed. Each person in every story had to make a choice. Will I be obedient or not? And here's our main thought today. Obedience always produces a blessing. Say that with me, church. 
Obedience always produces a blessing. Think about that in the way for us that we handle our money. Think about this, that obedience actually puts us in a position to be blessed by God. And God promises, promises us, if we obey him with the natural concerning our finances, he says, I will bless you. So what does that look like for us as individuals? What, what am I going to need to do to be in this position that you're talking about? I'm so glad you asked that question today. Thank you. The good news is God laid out a plan for each of us to make the right choice concerning our finances. It's found throughout the entire Bible, but more specifically in the book of Malachi. Here we find God is dealing with his people, and they've been a people who have turned their backs on him. And they've gone their own way, and they've made some bad choices. And because of this, they find themselves living under a curse instead of a blessing. They find themselves. And so here's what God says to them to get back on track. Check this out. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 through 10. I, the Lord, do not change. Can we get an amen for that? We change, but God don't. So you descendants of Jacob, you are not destroyed. I'm not going to destroy you. Uh, that's, That's not my plan. But ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees and not kept them. Return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God or a mere man rob God? Yet you rob me, but you ask, how are we robbing you, God? And he says, in tithes and offerings. In what? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse or the church that you're planted in, that there may be what? Food. What, what, what do we even, what are we, food? Are we having donuts today or what, what does that mean? Spiritual food it means, right? So there may be spiritual food in my house, God said, the place where I put my name, the place where you're spiritually fed. And he says, by the way, test me in this. Test me. It's, test me in this and, and, and see if I will not. Watch what I'll do. You can put me to the test in this. Watch what I'll do. I will open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there is not room enough to restore it. If you are here today and you say, in my life, there is so much blessing that I don't even have room enough to restore it, raise your hand. Come on now. Are we any of us there yet? Are any of us there yet? I don't know about you, but I got some more room for the blessings. Amen? So God said, hey, people, it, you, you guys have changed. You guys have gone away from me. I haven't gone away from you. I change not. I'm still here. I'm still God. I'm still wanting to bless your life, but you have turned away from serving me. And they asked the question to God. They asked the question. They said, they said how do we return to you, God? We're ready. We are ready. We repent. We're coming back to you. So what's our first step, God? What's our first step? And God answers them with a question. Answers them with a question. Will a man rob God? And they're like, what? This don't make sense. And they're like, how, God? And he says, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. You've robbed me in tithes and offerings. And they're like, we did, didn't we? We, we did? 
And he says, I need you to bring the whole tithe. Now, the word tithe means 10%. Someone say 10%. 10%. He says, bring 10% to the storehouse, which is the church, the place that feeds you spiritually, the local expression of God's love, hope, and grace here on earth. The Bible talks about being planted. We talked about that a few months ago, being planted in the house of God, right? You're to be planted in the house of God. You're to receive spiritual nourishment for your soul in the house of God. And that is where God says, I need you to bring the tithe and offering to that place, to that place where you are spiritually fed, where your kids are spiritually fed, where your marriage is spiritually fed. I need you to bring it to that place. Now, I have a question for you. I have a question for you. Parents, how many parents do we have in here? Parents, we're praying for you. Um, What if your son or daughter was caught stealing money from you? What would you do? Think about this. If your son or daughter was caught taking money from your wallet, from your purse, I'm going to tell you what would happen in my house. The relationship would change, right? The relationship would change. Um, There certainly would be some trust that was broken. Once I find this out. Um, And as a parent, um, I'll still take care of them because they're my kids. Watch this. They're my kids, but I'm not going to be as generous to them because I know that they've been stealing from me. So they're still going to get meals. Come on, somebody. But when they want to go to their favorite restaurant, nope. When they want those new parents, nope. You've been stealing from me. Nope. you got to learn. Come on now. Um, I would say to them, I want to bless your life, and you're still my child, and you're still welcome at my house. That that will never change. That will never change. But if you keep stealing from me, you're not going to get the full blessing that I desire to give to you. Stay with me. Don't get off the bus yet. You're not going to get the full blessing that I want to give you. I love you. That will never change. Amen? That will never change. You still have a place in my house. That will never change. But I can't give you the full blessing because you're robbing from me. You're, you're, you're stealing. I want to give you more, but I can't trust you. I can't trust you with what you have now. You're taking what is not yours now. And that's where God's children were. So they asked, God, what do we do? And God points to what? Their money. He said, we've fallen away. God said, you've fallen away. You're far from me. And you've been robbing me. And God points to their money. I mean, why wouldn't God point to their heart? Like, why wouldn't he say, give me your heart? Or attend church more? Or get serving on a team? Or help the poor? Or don't drink, smoke, cuss, or chew and run with girls who do. <laughs> Why wouldn't God say that? He says, he says no, no, I, I need you to understand one thing where you robbed me. It's in tithes and offerings. Of all the things God could have chosen to demonstrate their obedience to him, God chose money. Why? Why did God chose money? Because God knows that our money is the thing that's closest to our heart. And it's the thing we want to control most in our lives. Let's be honest. It's the very thing we want to control most in our lives. It's our money. So God asked them to give 
the tithe. He says, he's saying, give me control of the first 10% of all your increase. And that will prove to me that you are truly surrendered underneath my lordship. Now, let me tell you this. God doesn't need our money. He wants our heart. He wants a heart of obedience. God wants something for you, not something from you. God wants something for you, not something from you. And we all have this choice. But let me be very clear. Let me be very clear. Because there's people sitting here. And you're here. Some of you have been here a year, two years, three years. Some of you are new here. I want you to know this. If you make the choice to never give here, I want, you to, be, I want to be very clear on this. If you make the choice to never give a dollar into the offerings, you make a choice to never tithe, I want you to know you're still welcome here. I want you to know you can still enjoy all the benefits of this house. I want you to know that your kids are going to be taken care of, right, spiritually. I want you to know that you're still saved. Come on now. I want you to know that God's hand's still upon you. But I would go further and say, why wouldn't you want to make the choice to give back to giving to God's house, the very house that has helped your house? Why, why wouldn't you want to make the choice, it's a choice, to give back to what is giving to you and your family every week? Why wouldn't you want to give back to something that has changed your life? Why wouldn't you want to be a part of something bigger than yourselves? Why wouldn't you want to be totally, wholly, wholeheartedly surrendered to God? Why wouldn't you want to play a part in making heaven a bigger place? Why wouldn't you want to help someone else's marriage get restored? Help someone else get free from addiction like you got free? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want to see a difference in your personal finances? Because God says the only place in the Bible, he says, test me in this. And I'll prove to you. I'll prove to you that I will open some windows of blessing for your life. I'll prove. Why wouldn't you want that? Why wouldn't you want to live the generous life? Why wouldn't you want that? But it's a choice. Someone say it's a choice. It's a choice. Now, I'm putting the cookies on the bottom shelf today, okay? I want everybody to grab this, okay? Now, don't get scared. Uh, I'm going to put the apples on the bottom shelf so everybody can grab this today. I want everybody to understand this message because there's a lot of confusion in the church about tithes and offerings. But I want you to see this today. Are you ready? So I'm going to give you this little illustration. I have up here... Uh, 10 apples. Someone say 10. I have one green apple. Looks good, right? And how many like apples? Yeah. Um, and I have nine red apples. Okay. I'm going to wait to take those out. Okay. I have one green apple that represents the tithe. The tithe. And I have nine red apples that represent the rest, which is the 90%. This represents 10%, right, of 10. Would you agree? Yeah. And uh, these all represent the 90%. Okay, so what happens is God says, um, I gave it all to you. I gave all 100% to you, right? God, God gave it all to us. He gave us, uh, we, we talked about that, the energy, the, the, the education, the wisdom to get that degree, to make that money, the strength to get out of bed every morning. Amen. He, he ultimately put the breath that is in your lungs, right? So, so it all comes from God. But God says, 
um, out of the 100% that you get, I need you to bring back 10% to my house, okay? I need you to bring back the tithe, 10%. That's what tithe means. And so, so he, I want you to live off the 90. So the 90 represents uh, uh, what, what kind of bills do we have each week? We got a food bill, right? You have a food bill? We're buying Cheetos. Come on now. We're buying Cheez-Its, uh, extra uh, toasted, by the way. Uh, we're buying Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Come on, somebody. I felt the anointing. Um, we're, we're buying chicken and beef, and uh, we're, we're buying uh, Little Debbie snacks. Come on, somebody. And then once in a while, we, we buy the Christian chicken, and we go to Chick-fil-A, right? That represents that. And then what else, what else is happening in our lives? We're, we're also, um, uh, every month, we're doing something called uh, paying our mortgage. <laughs> That's fun. And uh, so that represents uh, the 90%. And then uh, some of us are um, paying rent, right? Uh, If you're not paying a mortgage, you're paying rent. Um, uh, Then we got utilities, right? We got heat bills. Come on now, they're starting to come in, right? Um, And and so we got electric bills and heat bills and and gas bills and and all that. And then um, once in a while, we, we want some to buy some things, some pleasure things. You know, we like to buy things. So uh, we, we, we buy things like um, Apple products. I worked on that all week. And some of you are looking at me like you're mad as a hornet. We're buying Apple watches and we're buying Apple computers and we're buying Apple phones and we're buying uh, Apple iPads. And uh, so we, we like some pleasure stuff, and that, that's good. God doesn't mind that we have things as long as things don't have us. Okay, are you with me? And then, um, you know, we like to go on vacation, right? I mean, the Kokomo Beach is cool, but have you been to a real beach? <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> like, we, we need to go somewhere. Like, Michigan's only an hour and a half from here, and they got beaches. You should try it. You don't have to go to Florida, but... Um, uh, Anyway, we like, we like to go uh, on vacation, and, and so that, that comes out of there. And then, you know what, our, our honey-do list is so big that we're tired of our wife nagging us every week. Amen. Um, and, and so we're just, we're, we're, we're going to hire out somebody to redo the house. We're going through renovation. Amen. We're going to start with the kitchen, then we're going to work our way through, and so that, that happens as well. And then... Um, and then we got many other household bills. And then we got, you know, the kids need um, new sneakers like every couple months if they're my kids. And, uh, you know, so that, that comes out of that. So all this, all this we do with the 90. This is all, all this, the red is the 90% that God said, this right here, this right here is for you to live off of. But this right here is mine, God said. The tithe is never yours. The tithe is God's. It's God's. He's, he said it. I, I didn't make, I didn't, I didn't, a preacher didn't make this up. I want you to know that. It's in the Bible. Did you see it? It's in the word. God made it up. He said the tithe is mine. And then from there, I want you to sow an offering. That's according to your faith. That's whatever's in your heart. That's up to you. But God said the 10, that, that's what I require of you as a Christ follower. This is for my house. This comes back to my house so that we can continue reaching more people that are lost, broken, and hurting. This is God's economical system. He set it up. Not me, not a preacher. Okay? Are you with me? So he says, he says 
The 90 you live off of, but the 10 you bring back to the house that gives you spiritual enrichment. You bring back to the house so people can experience my presence. I don't know about you, but I hope you don't take it for granted that every single week the presence of God is here. Some of you are new to church and you don't understand what you're feeling, but that's the presence of God. The day he doesn't show up is the day I don't step on this stage. We can just close up shop if he don't show up, really. There's a whole lot of churches in our community that don't have the presence of God. And I'm not just talking about the smoke machine. That's not the presence of God. That's smoke. We put stuff in there and it comes out. Haze machine, whatever it's called. I'm telling you the tangible presence of God is in this house. And you know why it's in this house? Because we have people who are on their knees and on their face seeking God every single week. You have a pastor who's not out golfing and going out to eat every day. He's on his knees seeking God for a word from God. And I'm not ashamed to say it. Because I've been to many churches that are deader than a doornail, dry as can be. No presence, no, no realness, no authenticness. It's dead, dry religion. I want not to hell with religion. I want a relationship. I want a relationship to hell with religion. I need the presence of God in my life. I can't step up here. I'm on that front row every Sunday saying, God, if you don't show up, I'm done. I don't know what to say to these people. If you don't come upon me, if you don't anoint me like I'm feeling right now, if you don't anoint me, then we might as well go home. We might as well go home. If you don't touch the people in worship, God, we, we might as well stop singing. We're no different than a club. We're no different than a honky-tonk that's got a band up there. But when the presence of God comes in, he changes everything. One touch in God's presence can change your very life. I don't ever want us to lose that, church. I don't ever want us to lose that, church. I've been to 10,000-member churches and no presence there. No presence, icicle, an icicle of a man gets up and speaks, frozen, chosen. (laughs) We aren't the frozen, we're on fire for God here. We're serious, heaven and hell are a reality and people are going to them every single second of the day. We need God, we need God. And I don't know why I went off, it's not in the note, it's free though. Here's where I was going, your tithe your ties enables us to create an atmosphere where the presence of God comes. It enables us to join together as a body. It enables us to be warm in the winter and cool in the summer. You, you know we have nine ACs and nine heaters in this church. Your bill's big, but it ain't nothing like ours. <laughs> and the tithe, God designed it to help take care of the needs of the church. The tithe, God designed it to go out into the community, to get outside of these four walls. It's great what's happening in here on Sundays. We got to get outside the walls more. We got to get, if, you're not going to be comfortable if you like just sitting in your Christianity at this church. Trust me, there's 100 churches you go to them you can be comfortable in. But this church, we're going to go outside these walls and reach the broken, reach the law. We're going to give hope to the city. Okay? And the tithe enables us to do that. The tithe, we don't get grants, we don't get funding from the government. We are a nonprofit organization that is funded by the people who call this place home. We don't beg for money. You will never hear me beg for money. I will never send you a letter begging for money, right? I just teach you the principles found in God's word. That's it. It's real simple. 
I'm putting the apples on the bottom shelf. You can take them and make you an apple pie. Sounds good right now. Who's making one this week? Bring me a slice. All right, all right. I'm going to wrap this up. Thank you, Joe. Here's what happens in 80% of the people in this church. Here's what happens. We pay our rent, our mortgage. We pay our household bills, utilities. We take the family out to eat. We pay our car payment. We renovate the house. We go on vacation. We buy new sneakers for Johnny. All right? We want a new outfit, so we buy it out of there. We want a new car, so we buy it out of there. And so that represents one pay period right here. Whether you get paid weekly, biweekly, or monthly, this represents one pay period. This 90% represents one pay period. And so we take that 90 and we pay all those bills. We do all those things. But then we realize, ah, it's winter. I need new tires on the car. So I'll take that out of the tithe and put new tires on my car. And then we realize, man, an unexpected medical bill just showed up. So I'll take that out of the tithe and pay that bill. And then we realize, man, we didn't have enough for vacation that we thought. And we ate out a whole lot more than we thought we were. We didn't go buy the turkey and the bread for lunch. No one does that besides my family. We eating breakfast and lunch. We buying the food. We ain't eating out three meals on vacation. Anyway, that's another message. And then we realize little Johnny has got to get dental work done. We don't have, this is gone. It's already spent. Most of the time before we even hit, hits our account. And then we realize, man, uh, we promised that kid at church we would buy his $30 caramels for his fundraiser. <laughs> Such a deal. We love your kid. Don't, don't get offended and leave the church. But if you want to write an email, you know. Joel at thefuelchurch.com. And then, and then we, we, we seen something at the mall, and uh, we had to buy it for our sweetheart, you know. So we were in good because we didn't get the honey-do list done for the last 10 years. And then, then, then we sure need a new outfit because we're going to that party this week and we, we, we don't have any clothes that will work. <laughs> None of them work. They just don't work. And then, then, then we come to God's house and we're left with the core. And God says, what? Really? That's how much you think of me and my house? Like you took care of your house but not my house? And it's just the core. Not, not much left. And God's saying, hey, this isn't the life that I have. You can live that life and I'll still bless you, but I, I want to give you a, the full blessing that I have. And until you stop robbing me and your tithes and offerings, I can't release that. I can't release it. And hey, you don't believe it? Just test me, says God. I'll prove to you. 
I'll prove to you that I will open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing there is not room enough to receive. And the reality is 80% of our church lives like this. An average of 15 to 20%, it goes up and down. 15 to 20% of the people here tithe. Okay? Annually, I think it's like 9 or 10% uh, uh, statistically across all churches tithe. And so, so what, what would take place if we gave God what he asked for in our lives instead of giving God the leftovers, the leftovers? How, how many of you like to go out to eat? I do. My wife loves it when I say, you don't have to cook tonight. There's multiple blessings attached to that, by the way. That series is in February, by the way. Um, and, and, and so we, we love going out to eat. And so here's the thing. Um, if I go to a restaurant and the service is good, like you're getting 20 to 20% tip if you're good. If, if, if it's not good, you're getting 15, probably from me. And if you're just horrible, like, man, you just jacked up everything. <laughs> like, the food was wrong. It was cold. It took forever. You had an attitude with me. You know, you're mean to my kids. I mean, if you're just horrible, I'm giving you 10%. Even if you're just horrible, I'm, I'm still going to give you uh, 10%. Think about that. Should a God who serves us and blesses us and gave his son upon the cross get any less than that horrible waitress? Should a God who sent his only son to die for our sins get any less than the horrible waiter or waitress? Any less? All that he's done for us, all that he does in our lives, and we can't even give him that 10%. Think about it. It's a choice, though. It's a choice. And uh, as I said, we, we don't push the issue of money here. And some of you, maybe, maybe you've been jaded by churches who misused and abused finances. And I get that. I get that. There's a lot of that that goes on. But not all churches are like that. And not all pastors are like that. And I can stand before God and tell you that this church isn't like that. You're going to see that, for those of you who are new, on December 9th. As we go through our whole process of finances and what you gave and what we did with that money. You're going to see it all. We lay it all out. We're transparent. Because we don't have anything to hide here. And so, but I get it. I know many of you here, this is new. The concept of the tithe and offering, it's new to you. You're new to church, and you're just like, man, I'm, I'm just trying to get up in the morning on Sunday. Now you want 10%? Let me just encourage you. I don't want it. God does. Start somewhere. You say, I can't start with 10. Start with 1%. Yeah, I, I just said that. Start with 2%. Give something and watch as God move, begins to move, and watch as you work your way up to what God asked for, that tithe, that 10% what he'll do in your life. Now, I know there's some of you here, you've been in Christianity for 15, 10, 20, 30 years, and you still don't tithe. Shame on you. 
Some of you have been raised in church and still don't give God the full tithe. Well, I throw something in. No, God asked for 10% of all your increase. My daughter came today with an envelope with her birthday money tithe. Everything increased in our life, birthday money, unexpected checks in the mail, $100 Pentecostal handshake, come on. Whatever money, whatever money comes into our life, we take the first 10%, not just our paycheck. We, any income, the Bible's any resources that come into your life, tax check, we, we pay tithe off of it. It's just what we do. It's what we've always done. God said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed breaking bread. And so, so let me be very clear. We'll never, we'll never look down on anybody if they don't give. You can come here for the rest of your life and never give a dime. You're welcome here. You're welcome here. You're welcome here. I want you to know that. I want you to know that. But tithing is a choice. Someone say it's a choice. Check this out. started going to fuel last year and we were not giving immediately we weren't doing a lot with the church at the time we did give a little bit of money you know maybe what we had in our wallet but we didn't make it a priority and then once the series of tithing came about we really wanted to start doing it kind of hit home Rachel wanted to give the full 10% right away I was a bit more hesitant because we were struggling paycheck to paycheck we lived at um, Payday Advance Places. We went in there, like they knew us by name. Not proud to say that, but they did. And um, we had to go to those places because we were unable to meet our needs because we were addicted to spending money. Barely getting by anyway. And when I thought of giving a full 10% of what we were taking home, it didn't seem like it could work. But we prayed about it and talked about it. And we started giving the 10 and our lives turned around. It really did. Um, Finances started turning around and just serving and our time, just wanting to do more for the church. Once we started doing the tithing of the 10%, other things started falling in order. We stopped spending so recklessly. We budgeted our money better. We put money where it needed to go. And God just kind of made everything fall in order. And one of my biggest testimonies was is we were able to start saving and like in an emergency fund. And whenever the time came where we actually needed to use it, it was there. But God didn't let us use it. So my mom and my dad sent me a card um, whenever our fridge went out. They had no clue that our refrigerator was going out. It's like, oh my goodness, that's kind of a big expense, you know. But we were praising God because we're like, oh my gosh, this is the first time that we're not having to run to a payday advance and, you know, do something. We have it in our savings by God blessing us from what happened. Well, in the card, she mentioned that God put it in my heart to send you this. I don't know the reason, God does, and I'm sure he will tell you if you don't already know. She sent us, my dad and mom sent us a check for the exact amount of the refrigerator. And if people can't see that that's a God thing, then I don't know what they need to see because it was the exact amount. So it was, you know, yeah, you guys have done good. You have the money in your savings to do these things, but here, I'm going to show you because you obeyed me in this. I was the skeptic. I didn't want to do it because I didn't feel like we could. I didn't think we could make it work. But once we just decided to do it and made it a part of our life, 
it was everything else is taking care of itself. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball. You've taken some wrong turns. You've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And, And the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer, and I just believe that if you say this prayer and mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved, and I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me in Jesus' name. It's simple as that, and I encourage you to find a good local church. If, if you can get to Fuel Church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things the lives and families of the people that come here, but find a good church where you can grow in God. Until next time, God bless you. Have a great week.